Hi everyone and thank you for listening to the third episode in this podcast series. Today we're going to be moving on to the next type of skin cancer called a squamous cell carcinoma. Like last episode, I will be covering what they are, how dangerous they are, who can get them, what they look like and how to have them removed. Along with this, I'll be discussing the risks of using a solarium and debunking a big sun protection myth. A squamous cell carcinoma, or an SCC for short, is a mutation of cells in the spiny layer of the skin. They are the second most common type of skin cancer and usually appear on areas of the body that have had the most amount of sun exposure. However, they can appear anywhere else on the body as well. They are most commonly seen in adults over the age of 50, but can also appear in younger people as well. Squamous cell carcinomas can be dangerous if not found early, as they grow more quickly than BCCs over a period of a few weeks to months, and though it's not likely, they can metastasize, meaning that they can spread to other areas and therefore can end up being fatal. They can cause damage deep into the skin and can also affect other structures as well. Squamous cell carcinomas can arise on their own, but often arise from a pre-existing lesion. There are a few lesions which may be considered precancerous that can turn into a squamous cell carcinoma, including actinic keratosis and Bowen's disease. An actinic keratosis is an abnormal growth of skin cells due to sun damage. They are considered as pre-malignant lesions and should be treated as early as possible to reduce the risk of further development into a squamous cell carcinoma. They appear as rough, scaly plaques, kind of like a patch of dead skin. Bowen's disease is another pre-malignant lesion that occurs due to sun damage. They appear as pigmented or dark brown plaques that are also rough in texture. Again, these have the potential to turn into a squamous cell carcinoma. Now for some facts and stats. Squamous cell carcinomas make up for 30% of non-melanoma skin cancers. If you have had one non-melanoma skin cancer, such as a squamous cell carcinoma, you are approximately 50% more likely to get another. You are at a higher risk of developing another squamous cell carcinoma in the first five years after having one removed. While this rarely occurs, squamous cell carcinomas can spread to nearby lymph nodes, so often these will be checked as well. Squamous cell carcinomas can appear on areas of burns or wounds, and head and neck squamous cell carcinomas are contributed to by smoking and alcohol in approximately 75% of cases. So like last episode, I'll try to describe the most common features of a squamous cell carcinoma so that you may be able to recognize a suspicious lesion on your own body or on your friends and family. Squamous cell carcinomas appear to be thickened raised lesions that may appear crusty or scaly. Similarly to basal cell carcinomas, they can look like red sores that bleed or don't heal. They can ulcerate or look wart-like and are usually asymmetric. They can also be sore to touch. As part of the attached summary sheet, I will put some images on there as well for better reference. If you notice anything that resembles this on yourself or anything else, like I mentioned last episode, the safest thing to do is go to the doctor and get it checked to make sure that it's nothing sinister. 
Again, having full regular skin checks is very important to keep track of pre-existing lesions because as mentioned before, um, squamous cell carcinomas can arise from those. The removal process for a squamous cell carcinoma is very similar to the removal of a BCC. The only difference being that extra caution needs to be taken um, that the SCC has not spread. Often to do this, after the lesion is removed, radiotherapy will be recommended. The aim is to remove the lesion and all cancerous cells while inflicting as little damage on surrounding tissue as possible. So just to recap from last episode, the most common way to remove a skin cancer is to have it surgically cut out under a local anesthetic if it's suitable to do so and to have it sent away for a biopsy. For more progressed squamous cell carcinomas, most surgery where they remove thin layers of the skin one at a time until there are no cancerous cells left is the gold standard. These procedures all have high success rates when caught early, but again, you may be left with scarring. Other methods used to remove squamous cell carcinomas include radiotherapy, cryotherapy, electrodesiccation, laser surgery, or topical chemotherapy. Okay, so now moving on to the topic of the day, solarium use. For anyone who is unaware, solariums or sunbeds as they're often called, are devices that emit artificial UV radiation in order to get a tan. You lie inside the device as if you were tanning on the beach and the concentrated UV rays penetrate into your skin to develop a tan. Often solariums are used in conjunction with melanotan injections, an illegal and unregulated drug that assists in the development of a darker tan, which is also associated with skin cancer. This is an extremely dangerous thing to do as there is no safe way of tanning. As we are aware of now, UV, rate, uh, UV exposure is the biggest risk factor for skin cancer and use of a solarium causes extreme damage to your skin cells. When we get a tan, the darkening of colour is actually your body's way of demonstrating that something is damaging its cells and therefore your melanocytes, which are the cells responsible for your skin colour, produce even more pigment to try to protect the skin. So any sign of a tan is a sign of stressed out skin cells. So for some statistics on solariums, sunbeds can be up to 10 to 15 times stronger than the sun on an average summer's day. If you have used a solarium before the age of 35, you are 59% more likely to get melanoma. All users, despite their age, have doubled their chances at developing a basal cell carcinoma or a squamous cell carcinoma. In 2015, all commercial solariums were banned in Victoria. However, there are still many people taking bookings and operating them quietly under the radar. Hopefully, after listening to my podcast series, you will think twice before seeking out an illegal operator. Although having a tan is perceived to be more beautiful, it is clearly very dangerous. If you really want to be darker, opt for fake tan as it's a much safer solution. Speaking of fake tan, let's debunk our sun protection myth. A lot of people seem to believe that having a fake tan will protect you from the sun because suddenly your skin appears darker. This is a myth, a very untrue and dangerous belief to have. Fake tan does not provide UV protection and therefore you must be wearing sunscreen when exposed to UV radiation on top of your tan if you choose to wear it at all. So 
To end today's episode, we're going to move on to our real stories for me to share. So the first story is a 50-year-old female. So who noticed the lesion, yourself or someone else, and what did it look like? Were you concerned and did you get it checked immediately? She answered that she found the lesion. It was sitting on her calf or the back of her ankle, and it looked like a patch of eczema. Um, Initially, she treated it as if it was eczema, so she was putting creams and things on it. Once she realized that it wasn't going away, that's when she went to the doctors, so within a couple of months. Do you spend a lot of time in the sun and do you wear sunscreen every time you're exposed? She answered, yes, as a young person, she spent a lot of time in the sun and no, she didn't wear sunscreen every time. It's not something that her parents enforced. Describe the removal process and any pain or scarring you might have. Initially, she had them freezed. Um, She found that quite painful and was left with a big scab. Um, The scab took about four weeks to heal, but she was left with no scarring. They then found another lesion a couple of years later, and that one there was scraped off because it was in the early stages. What did the biopsy show? Was it a skin cancer? Both times um, it was a BCC with the reoccurrence happening on the ankle a couple of years later. Do you think this experience has made you more conscious of sun exposure and using sun protection? She answered yes. She's much more likely to put her sunscreen on now and stay out of the sun. And are you more likely to get regular skin checks for new lesions and changes in existing lesions? She answered yes. She goes back to get her skin checked every year. The second story for today is about an 80-year-old male. So who noticed the lesion, yourself or someone else, and what did it look like? Were you concerned and did you get it checked immediately? He answered, my granddaughter noticed the lesion. It looked like a small red pimple that never went away. Once my granddaughter pointed it out a few times, I started to become a bit concerned. I then went to the doctor and had it checked after a couple of weeks and he said it was fine. A few months after that, my granddaughter then noticed that it still hadn't gone away, so I went back and saw a different doctor, and that doctor straight away referred me on to a skin specialist for a biopsy. Do you spend a lot of time in the sun, and do you wear sunscreen every time you're exposed? Yes, I spend a lot of time in the garden, and I spent a lot of time outside as a young person, and no, in my day and age, sunscreen wasn't a thing. Describe the removal process and any pain or scarring you may have. So I went to the specialist after the doctor sent me the referral. The specialist gave me a local anesthetic. The needle hurt a little bit. It was then surgically removed and I had four stitches. I'm now left with a lot of scarring on my face um, because this removal was done on my cheek. What did the biopsy show? Was it a skin cancer? Yes, the biopsy showed that it was a squamous cell carcinoma. Do you think this experience has made you more conscious of sun exposure and using sun protection? He replied, yes, but sometimes I forget because it's not something that I'm used to doing. And are you now more likely to get regular skin checks for new lesions and changes in existing lesions? He replied with yes, but I'll need help um, by the doctor and with my granddaughter as well. So that's it for today. I'll see you in episode four. Bye.